Welcome to The Policy Shop, weekly conversations with public policy experts where we'll dive into the most important issues affecting all of us here in Illinois. I'm Hillary Gowans. Let's get started. Joining me today is Amy Cordy, Executive Vice President of the Illinois Policy Institute. Today, we'll discuss new numbers on public school enrollment and what's next in public policy battles that affect the classroom. Thanks for joining me, Amy. Thanks for having me, Hillary. So our kids are all out of school for the summer, and I know that everyone's taking a, a breath. We don't want to talk about everything that went on in the past two years in our schools, but here we are, and we're about to do just that. <laughs> How does that feel? It's great. Let's do it with popsicles or something. <laughs> Make it feel more good. summery. <laughs> well, we should have gotten a campfire <laughs> around here or something. Um, but anyway, the, the numbers that I referenced came out of the American Enterprise Institute, and they actually showed this relationship where the longer uh, school remained uh, remote during the pandemic, so meaning the kids weren't in the classroom, the the more kids left the school. And so I was just wondering if you could sort of give us the overview of what that information tells us and, and why you think it matters. Well, it matters because overall, the American Enterprise Institute found that more than 1.26 million students are missing from U.S. public schools. And so the question was, why and where did they go? And the study that they just released showed that the, the districts that offered the most in-person schooling did not lose nearly as many students from their public schools as the districts that offered the least in-person schooling uh, over the two pandemic school years. And the average of school districts that offered the least amount of in-person schooling was 4.4% decline in enrollment over the last two school years. So th that was a pretty big drop compared to the school districts that offered more in-person schooling. They only saw a net drop of 1.1% in enrollment. So there's a big difference between school districts losing kids, why, why they lost them. Obviously, there's a big correlation between offering the least amount of in-person instruction and it's, it was really interesting to, to look at this on a map, too. So uh, one of the things that AEI did was they, they put this state by state. Um, you can see that Illinois faced quite a big dip in public school enrollment. States like California and Oregon were in the same boat. New York, of course. Um, our neighbor, Michigan. So it's, it's maybe a little bit more uh, far-reaching than you'd think, but in Illinois... Um, why do you think this was such a huge problem? Why do you think enrollment is dipping? Well, Illinois lost more than 3% of its enrollment over the two pandemic school years. And it was also one of the states to offer the least amount of fully in-person schooling. The uh, U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention put out a study that ranked all the states in the amount of fully in-person instruction they offered over last school year, and Illinois was in the bottom 10 states. So it's not surprising that if school districts are losing st students because they offer the least amount of in-person instruction, that a school that ranked in the bottom 10 for offering in-person instruction all the time uh, would also lose a lot of kids. And that is actually just an average. In some districts, there's a much bigger exodus from the public schools. Chicago, for example, lost 6.5% of its enrollment over the two pandemic school years. So that's an even bigger drop than Illinois' statewide average. And so to put that in perspective, you said 6%. That was nearly 25,000 students since the start of the pandemic right. left CPS, right? 
right? Yes, that's a big fall in enrollment. Uh, I remember, you, so you've been following this uh, for over a year and a half. I mean, we've been watching this since the pandemic started. You know, what's going to happen with school lockdowns and how's it going to affect kids? Uh, one of the folks you introduced me to really early on who was covering this in, in a really thorough way was Emily Oster. Um, and she talked a lot about school districts in poorer areas and how test scores fell much more dramatically in these areas. So can you maybe expand a little bit on what Oster found here and how that relates back home here in Illinois? Yeah, Emily Oster is an economics professor at Brown University, and she and some other economists uh, put out a paper in November of 2021, and they examined the relationship between test scores and the access to or lack of access to in-person schooling. And they found that the steepest decline in test scores in 2021 compared to uh, prior years was uh, seen in districts that offered less in-person schooling. And unfortunately, that um, also overlapped with some of the most vulnerable school districts. So school districts with a large percentage of um, lower income kids and school districts with a large percentage of minority students were less likely to offer in-person schooling. And so test scores unfortunately reflect that. And it's not just test scores. I mean, although that's the only real metric that we have that can help us understand the, the scope of the problem, but when you researched this before, you put together some numbers just to show here in Illinois. So the State Board of Education has this assessment of readiness um, measure. Uh, and, and you talked about, you know, 17% fewer students met grade level standards for English. 18% uh, fewer students were at grade level. I mean, and, and it goes on and on. It gets worse. Um, for high school juniors, 30% met standards in math and 33.4% were proficient in English. So these kids who were locked out, this really, the, the numbers would suggest that this was a huge loss of learning and development for kids. Oh, yeah, for sure. And other uh, researchers have noted that this could have lifelong impacts on their economic prospects and earnings potential. So it's, it's a very serious loss of educational attainment for these kids. And for families that were fortunate enough to be able to afford this option and you know send their kids to a school that was open for for much longer than the public schools meaning private schools um that that made a big difference so when you're in person you've got in-person access to your teacher educationally that's important emotionally that's important um but we saw something really interesting happen here in illinois so these private schools that managed on a shoestring budget to keep kids in school, they were hit with a real threat to their ability to operate the way they want to. And that was House Bill 2789. And I know you covered that when it first came on the scene. Maybe you could give us the broad strokes on what that was and why it matters. House Bill 2789 was introduced in the spring of 2021. And it was essentially the teachers unions bill that they pushed and they would, if this bill had passed, they would have hamstrung the ability of private schools to operate as they wanted. Uh, there are different iterations of the bill, each with different kinds of restrictions. Different amendments were proposed as it made its way through the Illinois General Assembly. But every version of it was aimed at making sure that private schools didn't have any more room to operate than the public schools that had 
for various reasons, shut down more readily than private schools. So there's much greater access to in-person learning in the in Illinois' parochial and private schools than there was in Illinois' public schools. And the, uh, the bill was aimed at heaping regulations on all schools, public and private. And I should say, a lot of Illinois public schools succeeded at offering a lot of in-person schooling, even when some of the other districts in Illinois, like uh, Chicago public schools, did not. So Illinois public schools did have several schools that did offer fully in-person learning in the 2020-2021 school year. So this bill is aimed at all public and private schools to heap regulations on them, make sure that they had a, a lot of restrictions on how they could operate and how they could get approval to operate and allowing complaints to be filed against anyone perceived to be not in compliance with the law. So this bill, uh, at the end of the day, it gained a lot of uh, publicity and parents across the state and teachers across the state who are unhappy with this, all kinds of different schools, private parochials, certainly some public schools, were very upset about this bill and let the General Assembly know they filed what are called witness slips registering their opposition to the bill. And nearly 17,000 people slipped against the bill and the bill ultimately did not move anywhere um, in the Senate. So it was, it did not pass the General Assembly, but. It was definitely um, very uh, important to the teachers unions and they saw it as a defeat that it went down and their lobbyist uh, was talking in a video to them. I think he's the Illinois Education Association mm -hmm. lobbyist. Is that right? A good government affairs, yeah. And uh, he noted that it, there's a very well-organized opposition to the bill and that brought it down, but that they would try again. So this was pushed by teachers unions who you have to think, didn't want to be shown up by other schools that were offering in-person learning and wanted to make sure that they controlled the situation for uh, education going forward. Yeah, this lobbyist said, even though they failed, that the teachers unions want to push this policy again in veto session. So yeah, you're right. Um, it, it's one of those stories that with this bill that I think started out and it was really demoralizing because as parents, I don't, I'm not sure if this is how you felt. For me, it felt like, you know, we just, there are no options. We, I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We were all trying to work and take care of the kids at the same time. Um, and then the fact that some schools started to open up, that was a little ray of light. This bill tried to close the blinds on that ray of light right. though. Um, but what I thought was really cool was the mobilization of all these parents because finally, you know, we were able to explain to them, here's what's going on with this bill, here's what it would do. It would actually um, restrict access to in-person education, even as it's just starting to tick up. Uh, and to hear that 17,000 parents, family members, maybe kids themselves who are, I don't know, 17,000 people they took steps to to say no and don't do this and that's really encouraging i think yeah absolutely i think it was empowering for people to be able to have their voices heard by their lawmakers and oppose a very big lobby the teachers unions are very big lobbies in the illinois state house um yeah and i know uh, i was just talking with our uh, staff attorney and labor expert miley smith about how much political money the unions are able to spend each year and she just did some quick calculations and, and showed me that in 2020 it was about 8.5 million dollars the unions are throwing around in, in politics and so you you can guess that that goes a long way 
Um, speaking of teachers unions and legislation and opportunities to say no, uh, or yes, whenever you want to do, but uh, we're going to have a question on the ballot in November that would drastically expand the power that government unions have. That's Amendment 1. How would Amendment 1, if it passes, how would that sort of give carte blanche to these unions to do more like House Bill 2789 or whatever else they want to do that would restrict access to education in Illinois? Amendment 1 would cement right in the Illinois Constitution the right to bargain over virtually any subject that a public sector union wanted to bargain over um, or a private sector union, but it would expand the scope of bargaining. So it wouldn't only be wages and conditions of employment, it could be economic welfare. And as some of our teachers unions, like the Chicago teachers unions have shown, they are um, not limiting themselves to wages and and, uh, benefits already. They are trying to bargain over things like um, housing and defunding the police and immigration and issues that are not related to their paychecks. So this would expand the scope of bargaining and put that right in the Illinois Constitution. And then it would also make it uh, unlawful for state lawmakers to try to, uh, the the amendment uses the words, interfere with or diminish the right of uh, employees to bargain and organize. So it would make it impossible for lawmakers to just pass a law to try to rein in some power. So right now, Illinois teachers are allowed to go on strike, but that's not the rule in every state. In fact, uh, almost all of our neighbors explicitly prohibit teachers from striking, and none of them actually expressly allow it. And uh, so that is not actually the rule in most states, but our legislature could never just pass a law to rein in the teacher's power to strike if this amendment were passed and it was right there enshrined in the Illinois Constitution. So it would greatly strengthen the bargaining hand of unions like the Chicago Teachers Union to negotiate over limitless subjects and then to walk out on strike uh, to get their um, way in negotiations. So it would it would greatly enhance their power and make it really hard to undo. So Amy, as we close, we're just at the beginning of summer break. We're gonna take a little bit of time to rest, recover from the school year. Uh, But as we lead into the next school year and the election cycle, classroom policy, public policies that affect the way that schools are allowed to operate, that's gonna be back on the forefront for us. What do parents and families need to know about public policy issues that are going to affect their child's ability to get access to a quality education? Well, last summer, we saw in the very end of May last year, we saw parents' opposition to HB 2789 affect what the legislators did with it. They ultimately did not pass the bill. It did not um, get passed. It was not made law. And so parents really felt their power over public policy. They felt their ability to affect legislation. This summer, at the start of summer, we have looming on the horizon Amendment 1, and that would tilt the field a little bit back toward teachers unions away from parents and their ability to affect education and policy that very much affects their children and their families. All right, well, Amy, thanks again for the context, and we'll keep watch out on this important issue. Thank you, Hillary. 
Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To keep up with all of our work at the Illinois Policy Institute and to sign up for our newsletter, visit IllinoisPolicy.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Policy Shop.